As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Arby's. podcast on the athletic network it's monday june 14th i'm jay eskeet back in the classic factory with the homie tass mellis what's up everybody what's up tassie got my top shot hot boy a man who does not fear the deer trey kirby hey yo the international man of mystery taking it to the max lealis friends Lily, and last, certainly not least, making the magic happen here on a Monday, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. So happy to have you, JD. We didn't yeah. think we were going to have you. Ah, me neither. I raced back here after mm-hmm. seeing my man A-Rod. Actually, <laughs> I didn't see A-Rod. I saw Dr. Butler, the dentist. Ooh. <laughs> Everything okay? No. Oh, <laughs> I just got pain. They don't know what's going on. Oh, I had no, no cavities or anything like that. But first time ever, the tap, 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 literally hammering on my teeth. Does this Ooh. hurt? Tat, 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 tat. I'm like, kind of. You're hitting my teeth. <laughs> was it like the hammer Matty O had in the happy hour on Thursday night? It, it was very much like that. Oh, okay. But here's, oh, yeah. hey, hey, Trey, first time ever, I heard the staff referred to Alex Rodriguez as A-Rod. Oh my, this is I've huge. I've never heard that before. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that we can now definitely openly call him that because uh, we've been pretty silent about it, you know, only doing it live on the internet. But now, to be able to say it to his face, to maybe think about turning two together at some point, exciting stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm happy you're here, JD, because otherwise we would have broke this thing for sure. But uh, I'm not happy to hear you're in a little bit of pain. But thank you. All right. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live here on a Monday morning on YouTube. Smash that like button. Do it for JD. Do it for A-Rod. Uh, leave your comments and subscribe. Keep sending in your questions and comments for the next Beach Steppin' Podcast. Email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com. Tweet them in if you want, at nodunksinc. That's I-N-C on Twitter. We'll be hitting the beach later this week, usually on a Wednesday, so you got a few days to get your cues and your comments in. And finally, go grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Okay, right into the games. Man, we got some storylines to talk about here. Let's start with the MVP, Jokic. 
getting ejected. Oh boy, we'll get to that. And then the Suns sweep the Nuggets 125-118. That guy that beat the snot out of that other guy and yelled Suns in four was right, Lily. Oh, oh, oh. oh man, what a clip that was making our <laughs> But anyway, again, lots to talk about with this game in this series. How about it, Lily? Well, that'd be like that guy uh, saying that he was uh, he tried to make a play on the ball when he was whacking those two guys. I don't know. There's something there. But listen, Jokic, um, look, he commits these frustration fouls. He's done it throughout his career. And when you make contact with a guy's face like he did, I think you have to go because the rule states that if there is unnecessary and excessive contact above the shoulders and also into the face, it's a flagrant two. And there was all of that. And I think it was that super wind up that really did him in because I don't think you can claim you're making a play on the ball 90 feet from your hoop when your intention is pretty clear. You know, play on the ball is like full court pressure. Maybe you try to poke it free and you maybe commit a cheap foul. And even though, okay, he does slap the ball free, but that comes clearly after the contact with Payne's face. And you can see it's across the sort of nose, mouth area of Payne's face. It's almost like an MMA thing where you sort of see it, you know, uh, ricochet or, or, um, you know, reverberate down his face there. Mm -hmm. And uh, look, I I can understand why Jokic was frustrated. They were probably going to lose this game anyway. They were probably going to get swept. Uh, There was an argument saying, look, he's the MVP. It's a closeout game. Maybe he should get some lenience there. But I just don't think that really holds up because he lashed out. He was angry. And you see that slow-mo. He gets the big wind-up like that. And he comes down. And then he's ready to fight the entire team after that as well. So, uh, look, I think it was a silly play from Jokic. I, yeah. I think it was a frustration play. But when you make contact with a guy's head and face like that as he did, I think it's uh, a pretty clear in the rule that it's a, it's a flagrant two and he had to go and the, the right call was made. Uh, I do not agree with this. I, I'm, I'm fine with a flagrant one. You're you're, you're spot on, Lee. He's frustrated. He winds up. Yep, he makes contact, even if it is like his uh, forearm to the nose. Forearm? That was his bicep. Yeah. Bicep. Okay. Bicep to the nose? This guy I got ejected think- for a flagrant two? Come on, I watched 10 minutes of basketball this weekend, and it was Jokic getting kicked out for hitting a guy with his upper arm. I don't okay. know. Flagrant so you th- you one don't think it should me. be a flagrant two. That's flagrant my point. one yeah. easily. He didn't even yeah. hit him with the part of the arm that he was swiping at the ball with. He was trying to foul him. He said afterwards, I was trying for a hard foul. He got it. That to me should have been a flagrant one. But what do I know? I'm not a ref lover like Lee Ellis over there. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I'm the opposite. I, I watch this over and over myself and I'm like, you can't just go in there and then claim you were making a play on the ball when you got that big wind up like that. That's what did it for him. You can't, he, he wasn't going in to make a play on the ball. That's what he I and Mike Malone... I actually think the uh, extracurricular stuff after the actual play probably hurt him too. With well, stepping he, look, to him a, and him stepping to him, what are you yeah. going to do about it and all yeah. that? I, I mean, he got, a, he, got a, he got the tech foul for that, but he was ejected yeah. for, the, for the play oh, on, uh, on uh, campaign there. And like I say, I mean, he does this where uh, he does these frustration fouls. Often it's a push or it's more of a, a, you know, sort of like grab the guy or something like that, which is fine. But when you go in like that, and then, and then again, the, the Nuggets are all saying, oh, play on the ball, play on the ball. It was not a play on the ball. He got the ball after the contact, but he was going in there to, to create that contact. And when you get a guy in the face like... And Payne was down too. Now, he did come back and he was fine. But Payne wasn't just on the ground saying, I'm just going to try to milk this to see if I can get him ejected. He got whacked clearly in the face unnecessarily. I think that was the right call. Taz, what do you think? 
It doesn't help the court of public opinion here when you watch the replay over and over and over again, and they just picked the slow-mo replays to mm -hmm. show us. So it wasn't even live speed. It was just, yeah, it was just all of Jokic's bicep against campaign's face over and over and over again. <laughs> and yeah, he went for the ball, but at the same time, it is true that he's not trying to strip him. He is 100 feet away from his hoop. There isn't a play to be made here. It's just, I'm just trying to mess you up here a little bit because I'm really pissed that yeah. we're down 3-0. But at the end of the day, when campaign he went down, and, and yeah, I think he did, I know it hurt him, but I think he did sell it a bit. And I think that did help, just him lying on the ground until, hey, come on. Uh, you can get up now. We got the call. Uh, I do appreciate that uh, Nikola Jokic, after he gets tossed, does go up to campaign and shake his hand and make a nice little gamesmanship play out of it and walked off and said, all right, you know, I messed up. It's over. I would have preferred a, a flagrant one on the play uh, because, you know, when a guy goes in and drives and you don't make a play on the ball and you just go smack his head it's a flagrant too this at least he was looking for the ball and he did hit the ball and then he made some uh, some nose contact as well uh so it, yeah it's unfortunate that it's the biggest guy on the court and also the smallest guy on the court that also does mm -hmm. you know sell it uh for for the suns uh yeah i would have gone flagrant one but at the same time i can i can totally understand why Jokic was tossed in this game. Uh, again, especially because our cameras are so good. Yeah. Our cameras are so good. So you just see the slow-mo, bang, bang. Every time they showed a replay, they didn't show live speed. I think that I think we all would have looked at it differently if it was just a whack. And I think campaign would have been looked at as uh, selling it a little bit if it was just a live speed whack as opposed to, you know, 48 minutes of slow-mo. Well, you guys are saying flagrant one, and the Suns were basically saying the same thing too. The team that got affected here, the player that got hit. They were like, yeah, that was a weird ejection. Probably didn't deserve it. No track record, Lee, of like injuring, maliciously yeah, attacking that, guys. No, right, but definitely <laughs> well, on, a track record of that committing these fouls. No, yeah. Well, yeah, but he commits these fouls and he's gotten away There's with it There's a lot of guys point. in the league that commit like frustration Him fouls. and Westbrook are the only ones who do it regularly like, like this. This far from their hoop. Other guys commit them, you know, close to the hoop. But that shouldn't make any difference for me because, again, he came in... With that big, it's if, if he doesn't go in like you this, you think it should matter? Uh, the MVP of the league who has no history of like again trying to injure guys compared to like a Beverly if he did this or whatever, like they're different. They just but, are. But but again, that because of status you can't, and you, because of like uh, of their history, you can't go and look at replay and then say, okay, but hang on, he's the MVP and this is an elimination game, so we should give him some lenience. You're telling me. Kick LeBron James out of the exact same thing. That, that's that's but there's what, no point in bringing that up. That's why? irrelevant to this discussion because we're talking about this here. Who cares what they would have done with LeBron James? In this case, he came in and went far. He crossed the line as to trying to stop the play. Well, or, or I make disagree a play. with that. He did a dumb foul, a right. hard foul, but did not break the guy's nose. Did he not hit him though. in the head first. But he, he did didn't. hit him in the head first. He got him in like, the head clearly oh before God, he got the he ball. hits his nose because he's doing a frustration Is, is his foul. nose not part of like, his head? Oh, my <laughs> God. Hand is part of the ball, this, nose is part of the face. Out. It's not... It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, he clearly makes so contact. So are you going to... I can't wait to get to the Nets-Bucks game where I guess uh, Giannis should be suspended for 50 games because he went for a rebound and Kyrie... You're bringing up uh, things that are completely irrelevant to this conversation. That's got nothing to do with what Jokic did. 
Jokic did something. He crossed the line. He went. He was far too uh, aggressive in that play to try to to try to make that play on the ball. It was well, way that's too obviously aggressive. what the officials thought. And the Suns and they, and they didn't the, care that he's the MVP the Suns, and that he's at home in an elimination game. Nor, that's an eight point nor should game. they. Yeah. Nor should right. they. That's irrelevant. I that disagree stuff. with that. That's completely irrelevant whether or not he's the MVP. So if he came runner up MVP, would have like, well, okay, he was runner up MVP. <laughs> no, MVP, the point so is, we can throw him out. Yeah. Okay. No. Do you, the thing, you don't the believe sun, there should ever be anything along the lines of a superstar call, even applied to a flagrant <laughs> foul, one or two. It doesn't make any difference okay. in this call. It doesn't. I mean, who cares if what they would have done with LeBron James? That doesn't make any. Uh, that doesn't strengthen your case at all. They're, they're not going to say, "Hang on, what should we do? Would we kick LeBron out of that?" No. Okay. Well, we're not going to kick uh, Nikola Jokic out either. That's that's just silly to me. That doesn't make any sense at all. And the thing is, the Suns were saying, "Oh yeah, we shouldn't have, you know, he shouldn't have been ejected." Of course, they were three 0 up, and they're going to sweep him. I bet you, if the series is different, they're not going to say that, are they? Possible. Well, here's the. I mean, I like that we wasted ten minutes on this because they would have lost anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. They they were going to lose, and that's that's where the frustration was born from the fact that they couldn't really get it close enough because uh, Chris Paul was absolutely torching them in that third quarter. I mean, he was just an incredible player in this series. And, and you could just see the frustration building. They had their shots, the Nuggets. I, I get it. I guess it my down. point is there are levels to a frustration foul and a dangerous frust- a foul right. like that. You know, if we go back to Bynum body-checking Berea in the air when they're getting their asses handed to them, like that's a lot more dangerous, even though I guess campaign was hurt even more than Berea was in that instance, but that shouldn't matter. Whereas this one, I'm with you, a flagrant one. Yeah, you penalize them. Absolutely. The tech for getting into with Booker. Absolutely fair. But throwing him out, that seems, that seems excessive for a guy, again, that just doesn't, outside of frustration fouls, he hasn't hammered and punched guys in the nuts or in right, the face but, before. But well, he did on this occasion. He got well, him in the face. Yeah, I mean, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. Even though he does commit frustration fouls, this was probably probably the biggest windup of his career, I would say. I mean, he, he, has, he has got he them up. probably the most pressure on him because he is MVP at this point of his career. He also doesn't have his his number two guy in Jamal Murray. I'm not trying to give him a, a, an excuse or a reason, but he committed his worst foul, most likely we've ever seen, whether or not he's a nice guy or not. And uh, yeah, nothing really did him any favors, uh, especially, you know, if, if campaign pops right up, it's a flagrant one, no doubt. Uh, that that hat played a part. The, the cameras played a part. Uh, there were a lot of factors. Um I'm just, you guys just brought up a, a really, really good question, though, and I can't wait to find out the poll results. Is the nose part of the head? It's going to be 50 50. Wow, is it part of the head? I guess technically it is. Yes. No, look, he gets him. He gets him. Uh, but, you know, like, if you watch it, it's, it's funny you are bringing up the camera and the slow mo task because go back and watch it in real time. Reggie Miller's reaction to this. Changes about oh, eight yeah. different times yeah. in the span of 30 seconds. Yeah, he starts sure. by he saying, touch him. Yeah, all ball. He says that right away. <laughs> all ball. And then it changes. Oh, oh, oh now I think he's going to be gut. Like, it's, it's pretty funny. But yeah, you're, you, we get the benefit of seeing the replay after the replay. And now the officials do too. And that maybe makes it seem more excessive. But I just think it should have been a flagrant one, Lee. That's where we disagree. You think yeah, I, they got it right by the letter of the law. You think that's a flagrant too? I disagree on that. Look, I didn't want him kicked out. But I think he deserved it because of what he did. Uh, that's where I, that's my hang up. I don't think he deserved it for that play. Yeah. I don't. I well, don't. And look, if that's the case, that's bad. I mean, that's, that's not that excessive to me. Yeah. That's deemed, it's not, it's not, but he, anyway. Look, if he I think the thing to me is that it. he didn't slap him in the face. People are like, he slapped him in the face. No, his <laughs> hand was like three feet from his face, but he's taller. He was reaching over him and no doubt the windup looked bad. 
the angry look on his face looked bad. The eyes closed <laughs> yeah. at moment of impact. It all looks bad. And like you're saying, no matter what part of the face or head that you're touching, if you're touching above the shoulders, you're going to get called for a flagrant foul. And it's often going to be a flagrant too. So by the letter of the law, no doubt about it. But I thought he was trying to slap him more so in the chest, more so in the shoulders. I thought he just kind of missed because his arm is a little bit bigger than he anticipated. Should have been a flagrant one in my book, but in the rule book, Lee, you're right. It's a two. And, you know, sometimes that's what happens when you go for the frustration foul. You're a little bit too frustrated. Go over the line a little bit too far. But I don't know. Nobody tries to hit somebody in the face with their upper arm. If he immediately goes to campaign, if Jokic immediately goes to campaign with the, oh, damn, are you okay? Like when he goes down, then I don't think he's ejected at all. My point was right off the beginning there, Lee, him not doing that because he's frustrated. (laughs) So he's like, good, I gotcha. And then Booker stepping to him and then the whole little melee after that, that hurt his case. I mean, that, that really did. I think if Jokic right away was like, oh, damn, I didn't mean to hit you in the face, man. Then he probably is still in the game, even with a flagrant one. I think that. Do you think it influences the referee's decision that the guy's name on the back of his jersey on the ground is Payne? It's possible. Let's talk about the actual Suns because they are going on to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> and uh, Lee, we'll go back to you here. Chris Paul, uh, amazing, amazing again. Uh, what do you end with? Thirty-seven points in this one. Fourteen and nineteen from the floor. All nine free throws. Don't think he missed a free throw all series long. He didn't. Uh, he's got a stupid, you know, assist uh, to turnover ratio. And he just sort of iced the game, too. It was a six-point game with about three and a half minutes to go. The Nuggets were trying their damnedest to stay alive without Jokic. Of course, we know Jamal Murray. But Chris Paul, once again, high pick and roll. He attacked McGee at that point. Uh, Porter didn't come over because he's lost out there. Open lane, foul, and one. And I thought that really iced it. But he was awesome. He was awesome all series long. And here he is in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, he finishes with 25 points on 63, 75, 100% shooting, 10 assists per game, one turnover, or 1.25 turnovers per game. Uh, But the Suns starters were all incredible. All of them shot over 50% average in double figures. Devin Booker actually finished 49%, but we'll give him a pass for that. But Chris Paul in that third quarter, especially, I think he hit eight in a row there for the Suns. And every single time, And he's talked about this saying that you don't even need to look at the hoop if you get to the right spot on the court where he's made that shot a million times. And you could see that he was not going to give the Nuggets any sort of life in that second quarter, in that second half there. And it was just an incredible play. He actually picked up a tech foul. I don't know if you saw it. And they missed that. uh, They missed that free throw. And he was uh, shouting out as well. Ball don't lie. Or Paul don't lie, people were saying. But I think it was more ball don't lie. But he was just in uh, complete and utter command of that game. uh, And the Nuggets had nothing to really do to stop him because you mentioned mentioned that Reggie pointed this out on the broadcast as well there was a time where Michael Porter Jr. really was supposed to switch but he was like there's no way I'm getting cooked by Chris Paul again and that basically made Chris Paul just walk into a uh, a mid-ranger so he was absolutely dominant this entire series Uh, go back to that first game really because remember the first two and a half quarters the Nuggets played pretty well in in Phoenix until Chris Paul took over again there so Mm -hmm. they get some great rest now they're going to get at least you know six to eight days off here before they face the winner of the Jazz and the Clippers, everything is going right. No injuries. Paul is fresh and healthy. You know, I hope he can just uh, stay healthy for the playoffs because this is just an, a, almost like a Dirk-like run for the Mavs ten years ago. Yeah, Phoenix trailed once in this game. It was two nothing, and then Devin Booker hit a three, and then they never trailed again. Tass. It was pretty dominant, and uh, everybody contributing once again. Sort of the same story after a couple of these games with Phoenix getting contributions from everybody. And, uh, yeah, attacking Michael Porter Jr. in pick and rolls. I would say attacking Jokic as well, too. I mean, 
I'm almost fascinated if it is the Jazz that play them because I want to see the difference a defensive player of the year in Gobert makes to that drop coverage like that Jokic is doing because I get it. Jokic is not going to be able to hang with Chris Paul and Primer, but he was dropping, 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 and then it was like that's just the spot where Chris Paul, that that's where he makes his money, right there, right around the free throw line. Okay, jumper after jumper after jumper with so much space. Um, but what were your big takeaways from the Suns sweeping them? Didn't see that coming. Yeah, tough for Jokic to to play on the defensive end after having to do everything on the offensive end. Obviously, he missed Jamal Murray a ton in this series just to take some of the offensive pressure on him uh, or off of him. Uh, So, yeah, the Suns obviously a a great, great, great two rounds here. And they've got a little bit of Raptors vibes from the the 2019 playoffs because their fans are traveling and coming to visit them on the road post-game. Chris Paul did his post-game interview in front of Suns fans in Denver. If you remember 2019, the Raps won the whole thing with fans in the arena in Oakland. It was a beautiful thing. And, uh, yeah, he had these vibes here. Garrett Elwood took this great photo of Chris Paul saying hello to all his faithful that stayed after the game to say what's up to him, kind of like our friend Mo Verney in the crowd in Game 6 in Golden State. Uh, so, yeah, did you get those vibes, Lee? Because you were there uh, You were there for... Did you, you, you didn't go to Game 6, did you? No, I don't Trey think Mo Verney was there for Game 6. No, I thought he was no, there for Game 4. Yeah, I saw yeah. Mo, I think, for Game 3 out there. Three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, anyway, yeah, I had those vibes, obviously. I, yeah, I can't wait to see, hopefully, a, a healthy Clippers or Jazz team because it is fair to say... Kind of like the Raptors, you know, beating the Warriors in, in 2019. It is fair to say the Clippers did f- defeat the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. And in the first round, they defeated the Lakers with a half AD, half LeBron or whatever that was. So uh, I can't wait them to see. I uh, can't wait to watch them against a full strength, hopefully, Jazz or Clippers team. Who would they rather face, Trey? The Suns right now, they got a couple days to rest. Who do they, who do they like their chances against more? I, I'm sure they feel confident they could beat anybody in the West right now, and anybody in the league, right, for that matter. They won seven straight postseason games here, but would they prefer the Clips or the Jazz? And you can take into account the injuries, I would say, right now to Conley and Mitchell. Yeah, I think maybe the Jazz, just because they're yeah. going to play defense kind of the same way that the Nuggets are. Like you mentioned, Skeets, uh, Jokic was in major drop mode, and he was dropping way, 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 way <laughs> too far last night because he was tired, but... Watching Chris Paul in that third quarter was like looking at a family circus comic, and he was taking like the longest routes possible just to end up at the right elbow to make another jumper. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you kind of think maybe could happen against the Jazz as well, right? If the if Gobert is going to be playing his drop coverage, surely he'll be a little bit higher up on the floor than Jokic was, like Jokic was earlier in this series. But that jumper is still going to be there, and that's um, an advantage for both Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They can both live in the mid-range for sure, but... The Jazz have been pretty solid so far in the playoffs. I don't know, man. That's a tough call. Aiton played so well in this series that I think they would also be fine rolling up against the Clippers, too, because Aiton has been able to really hold it down in the paint, and that's something that's going to cause problems uh, for L.A. if it ends up being Phoenix and L.A. in in this next round here. Yeah, Lee, same question. Who do you think the Suns would rather face here in the uh, conference finals? Yeah, I'm sort of, after Game 3, leaning back towards the Jazz because of those injury concerns. Mitchell's got a bit of an ankle injury and Mike Conley still hasn't come back. And uh, you just sort of saw the Clippers. Like, that was a very impressive victory the other night. They attacked hard, they went into the paint, and they were hitting their threes, which obviously makes a big difference. But, yeah, I think with the Jazz, just because uh, from what... It's it's very hard because if the Jazz are at full uh, full strength, though, they're such a good team at both ends of the floor... 
and I and you know you've got Mitchell uh, of course and Mike Conley who is a good defensive matchup for the backcourt there in Phoenix of Booker and Chris Paul so it's it's kind of a little bit more even in that sense I think mm-hmm. Chris Paul would rather go up against uh, Reggie Jackson but then you know Kawhi and Paul George there as well it, it really is a toss-up. It doesn't matter for the Suns. I mean, they uh, well, they, I guess they won't have home court if it is against the Jazz, but if it's against the Clippers, they will, which is uh, is going to be you know potentially a huge deciding factor in this series. We've seen that um, you know be a factor against the Clippers. They haven't been playing well at home. Of course, they uh, they've won their last two there, but other than that, they haven't been great. So. It's, it's a toss-up, really. I think it just comes down to health. I mean, when you look at the two teams, I mean, with Kawhi is the best player out of those two teams, and Paul George, when he's playing like he did on Saturday night, he's he's clearly playoff P. He's, he's much more dominant uh, and impactful player, but he does go missing as, at times as well. So I, I guess you would take the Clippers because you do have home court advantage, and they're going to be on this incredible sort of back-to-back uh, schedule where they're only mm-hmm. getting a day off in between. So fatigue could be a, more of a factor for them than it is for the Utah Jazz. So I, I, I'd probably go back to the Clippers now. I started with the Jazz now. <laughs> I'm like Chris Paul in a pick and roll. Jesus, Ed. I know you're hitting the jumper, but uh, why are you, why you yeah. going everywhere on the floor? Uh, the narrative, though, is a lot skates, juicier. Go, skates, hold on. Skates, uh, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. Yeah, yeah Tass, who do you think uh, the Suns would rather face uh, in the uh, conference finals? <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with M4GDN1M in the stream team. They probably prefer whoever loses, mm. who's, who's not playing very well. Interesting. I'm going to have to go with that. But yeah, home court advantage, uh, obviously, uh, number one. You think key. so? Okay, yeah. I don't know. And, and, and yeah, the, the Clippers had a seven-game series in, in round one. Now, likely, you know, at least six or seven-game series here in round two, playing every second day. That's huge. Uh, that's that's huge. Uh, benefit for the for the Suns the Jazz you know had some rest in round one well, and Donovan Mitchell he's playing through anything man he's he's gonna fight through no doubt Chris Paul wise. against the Clippers yeah that's what I was gonna say that's Spicy. way more juicy yeah if he could uh, somehow send like Balmer packing uh that'd be amazing uh playoff I'm P workshop- versus playoff P yeah I'm <laughs> workshopping a really dumb take uh Skeets I was thinking about it driving for most of Chris Paul's career, he's been doing these State Farm commercials where bad stuff happens, right? right. Bad stuff always happens to this guy. Yeah. Throughout his NBA career, up through this season. Had some failings in the clutch in the playoffs, we shall say. Yeah. In the new State Farm commercials, only good things happen for Chris Paul when the insurance agent shows up. Could that change things for Chris Paul in the clutch in the playoffs? Only time will tell. That's why it's a dumb take that I'm still workshopping. We'll see how it goes from here on out because things are only looking up when Jake shows up now. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but he's turning into like a cardboard cutout and he's turning into a basketball. He does occasionally those, turn into yeah, things. Like that's a, that's things. the new spice. Yeah. And they brought back Cliff Paul. He showed yeah. up again. He was gone for a long time. But it does seem to be there's less of a sense of dread for Chris Paul in these uh, State Farm commercials now. And I wonder if that has an effect on his psyche in the playoffs. We shall see. Wow. Wow. That's a, yeah, keep workshopping that, but there's yeah. something there. Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. definitely there. Uh, all right. Well, before we move on, uh, TK, uh, something that happened in this series, of course, we need to address. Yeah, exactly right. Lee cursed my vacation by <laughs> saying pretty much the very last thing of Friday's podcast. Hey! What if somebody gets a big beef while you're gone on vacation? <laughs> They're slowing down in the playoffs. It'll never happen. But of course, Nikola Jokic went for 32 points, 10 assists, and a massive 20 rebounds on Friday night. We've said, do big games count if they happen on Fridays? Unfortunately, yes, they do. JD, roll that beautiful beef footage. 
Nikola Jokic had 20 rebounds. That's a lot of roast beef. Hey Ma! Can we get some roast beef? You want some? Yes! I knew you'd go. Hey Ma! Roast beef! No dunks. We love roast beef, which is rebounds. Wow. Perfect. I'm glad he had it so badly now. That, that made it even better. That's the best one yet. DIY beef. Didn't take my computer with me, but made some things happen on the phone. And of course, an assist from Tass. He, uh, he messaged me, I think it must have been Saturday. Hey, let me know if you need help with that beef. I said, send me the clip of Will Ferrell yelling at his mom for a meatloaf. We got things to talk about here. So yeah, family production. I uh, got Laura to film me just rebounding out there. Obviously got my mom cooking up the roast beef. Fun times. Uh, you know, just boxing out. Just boxing out out there. Trying to get the fundamentals back. Yeah, was like, this uh, is when things get weird, baby. That was like a lost scene from above the rim, right? Where, uh, <laughs> isn't it Leon's playing without a basketball? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, at least he's like taking shots. I suppose I uh, you might tipped a couple of them in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just a ghost boxing out. That's the next level for the real sickos out there. Yeah, I was glad also, to see that court. That's a really freaking cool court you're yeah, playing on there. Yeah, where were you? Yeah, that's that's a pretty, nice um, I don't know. It's just that in this random community, we were at a lake house and, you know, there was just... There's a random basketball court. I was like, well, if there's a court with a gigantic puddle on it in the midst of the <laughs> woods, I better go record some fake rebounds over there. It's just, uh, it's my calling in life. Uh, I love thinking of somebody showing up to No Dunks live on YouTube for the first time ever and just came in right before that <laughs> watching a, a man <laughs> grab some, you know, fake rebound and i guess they're real rebounds but there's no ball so i don't know what you call them anyway great stuff uh i'm also having some wi-fi connection problems here i don't know if i'm breaking in or out guys but i'll keep powering through here to our next game bucks even their series with the nets after Kyrie's ankle injury who wants to get us started tass what what do you think uh i mean i guess the first question because i saw this going around twitter god lee if you take this angle i'll be crazy was it dirty what Giannis did for Kyrie's ankle injury? Was that dirty? Was that the equivalent of uh, stepping under a guy, Zaza Pachulia, like 25 feet from the basket? What do you think? Absolutely not. It okay, was good. not. When Kyrie landed on Giannis's foot, Giannis actually looked back and wondered what the heck happened. If you're doing it on purpose, I don't think you really care that much to look down. Zaza Pachulia wasn't looking at Kawhi Leonard's ankle when he got turned up. It's different than a jump shooter on the outside. I think Giannis, uh, you know, he just, he bolted in there looking for a rebound. It's something that does happen in the key a heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm judging character in this instance. Giannis doesn't want to try and get over this championship hump by trying to injure somebody. 
I'm, 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 you know, I could be a fool in judging Giannis's character, but I think that's absolutely not what the heck he wants to do. So I don't think he went in there with that malicious intent. It was kind of a, an odd thing because Kyrie was jumping back uh, instead of like jumping forward or even jumping straight up because he was trying to uh, avoid Drew Holiday's contest. And he, I, I think Giannis didn't even couldn't even see exactly what was going on when he bolted in there. Anyways. Yes, he's an incredible athlete. He's not Zaza Pachulia. He could stop anywhere he wants. Uh, but this is this is different. It's it's totally different. And uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't get behind that. You know, some people I like thought, whoa, Giannis knows how to stop on a dime in any instance. He could have stopped before Kyrie's legs, and he even got to his outside leg. How the heck does that happen? But no, I can't. I can't get behind that. I just I just I just don't think. I, you know, maybe. Maybe this is also an instance of seeing six billion replays and, and thinking, wow, everybody's getting injured. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where you really you go with that. It's just a, it's just one of those things that happen mm-hmm. in the lane. It happens a lot. Nash said the X-ray is taken on uh, Kyrie's ankle, negative. Um, so game five is uncertain at this point, Lily. But I assume you wanted Giannis tossed and uh, f- find uh, you know hundred thousand dollars suspended. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, what'd you think of the play? And then we get into this game though. It was just a, uh, an unfortunate play. I mean, yeah. he goes in to sort of box out to try to grab the rebound. And, uh, you know, when we see guys on the perimeter, they have the time to slide their foot under. Giannis didn't go in there and think, okay, great, here's a chance. It was a split-second thing, and it just happens sometimes when a guy comes down on another guy's ankle. That's all it was. I mean, he was trying to be ready for the rebound, and Kyrie came down. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't we can't look at every time someone lands on someone else's foot that it was intentional. Sometimes it is, but in this case, it wasn't. And uh, it, it's funny because if you look at the play, I didn't even see Kyrie go down at first. You sort of have to look back as Mike Breen brings it to your attention as well. It's like, oh, yeah, he is down. So, and then when you see the replay, the play, it's an awful twist of his oh, ankle. But It goes down low. You know, oh, yeah. And he was down for a while, and he was saying apparently to the trainers, you know, don't touch it, it was hurting. Mm-hmm. But then you do see him sort of limping off there. So that's a hopefully a positive sign in the MRI also saying, you know, that there's no no major damage there. But, um, yeah, I mean, this happens sometimes in basketball. We've all rolled our, our ankles a million times because when you're in the paint, especially you jump up and there's a lot of bodies there, there's a lot of feet there. If you come down on one, it's so easy to do. So uh, I, don't, I really don't think there's uh, anything there. Certainly, no. He didn't have time, Giannis, to sort of be like, great, here's my chance to finally get Kyrie. It was just uh, just a play that happened and uh, an unfortunate one for the Nets. TK, you wear ankle braces. You've had some ankle injuries in years past. Uh, what, 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 what did you make of this? Uh, I hate it. I hate yeah. falling on an ankle like that. It makes your ankle hurt when yep. you see somebody else sprain an ankle like that. It looked like an unfortunate uh, circumstance to me, you know. Uh, Giannis was just coming over to challenge the shot, maybe sort of rebound in the lane. He was just making his presence felt in the lane. He got up a little too close into Kyrie, and Kyrie landed on his foot. Unfortunately, there are feet there, uh, especially underneath the rim. I don't think that was a dirty play, but I suppose if you're a Nets fan, you're saying, hey, why is Giannis boxing out Kyrie Irving when he's in the air already? Which I think maybe could be a fair argument. I don't think he got into him enough uh, for it to be dirty, but... I don't know. They said Kyrie was in a walking boot afterwards, yeah. right? So that does not seem to be indicative that he will be ready for Game 5. And if that's the case, it feels like the Bucks have a lot of momentum going into that Game 5. Yeah, let's get into that. I mean, this is a 2-2 series here now, Tass. Um, I thought P.J. Tucker was awesome here in, in Game 4. I know the Nets think he got away with a lot of physicality with Kevin Durant. Uh, right sort of from the jump of this game, he like got physical. That's what he does. And... 
you know, they weren't going to call everything. And that sort of maybe affected uh, uh, Durant a little bit in this one. But he was also hitting the corner three. Tucker was giving them something offensively. He hit three of six there from the corner. And prior to that game, I mean, the Nets were basically ignoring Tucker. They were like, all right. You know, they'd have their def- his defender, like, shade off, help make that wall versus Giannis, get more eyes on him, and uh, he was going to make him pay in this one. And I think that's big. And Middleton hit timely buckets. He had 19. Drew Holiday, I thought, had another ugh, brutal offensive game. He is struggling on that end. But 14 in the end, Tucker 13, like I said, and then Forbes hit 10. This was a bit more of a balanced effort around Giannis with his 30-plus. Are the Bucks in control? Like, if there's no Harden still, and there's no account or no reports that he's playing in Game 5, I mean, I guess Kyrie could, you know, it could bounce back in 48 hours and maybe he plays on a bum ankle. I, I sort of doubt that. Like, are, are the Bucks going to win this thing? Am I going to somehow take $100 <laughs> from you and feel really dirty about it? Because uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is pretty rough here for the Nets. I think the Nets win game five, whether or not they have Harden or Kyrie wow. in the lineup. And either, either is definitely not guaranteed. But uh, the Nets offense was very predictable in the second half uh, with Kevin Durant as the number one, two, and three option. The Bucks knew it was coming. They were able to load up on him. Uh, but a couple things, I think, are in the Nets' favor. Kevin Durant has had two bad games in a row, and he's too good for that. I, I, this is the best offensive player of my era, that's for sure. One of the best players of all time. He shot 9 of 25 in this game. Uh, 1 of 8 from 3. I think they just sort of get it together. I think the second half was a good little trial to figure out how we're going to play without Kyrie Irving and James Harden if they don't play in, in Game 5. Joe Harris also had his second bad game in mm-hmm. a row. I think the, the home court definitely bodes a lot better for their role players to, especially if they figure out how to play around Kevin Durant a little bit. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, the Bucks should feel good, but they only just took care of business at home. Of course, we didn't expect that after a 50-point loss in Game 2. But the Nets have home court advantage. I think that's, that's very key. Uh, the, the Durant sat out the last you know four and a half minutes of this game uh, because they're ready for Game 5, I think. And Kevin Durant, the, the bad part is for him, he has to do so much in this series on the defensive end because he's operating a lot like a 5, and he's being their, uh, you know, the rim deterrent, and he's got to do so much offensively. I think you know this team has been a really good team all year. They go back to the drawing board, and uh, whether or not you, everyone out there thinks that, oh, this is just a superstar heavy team. No, they operate as a unit and they're going to go back and make sure they all operate a lot better around Kevin Durant. And this is a team that you know, only really gets it going when their backs are against the wall. And now their backs are against the wall in a way. Now that they're 2-2, we all know that, yeah, they play defensive possessions enough for one quarter to win games. And they're up, uh, you know, double digits in this game in, in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think... Now that they go back home, uh, I think they'll figure it out. And uh, I, I just thought it was a horrendous offensive game. I just can't see Kevin Durant doing it again. We, we talk about Kyrie Irving down. There was the play where Pat Connaughton was down as well, and he was all bloodied up on one end of the floor. So the Nets go to the other end. They're up. They're on a five on four. They got the power play. Uh, and Blake Griffin was wide open, but he kept giving it to Kevin Durant. He kept and Kevin Durant just passed it back. You're open. It's five on four. Do something with it. I just think they, they clean those types of things up. They're just not, they're too good. They're too talented. They're, they've been too much of a team to, to go out like this. So I think they, uh, they figure it out. And they were horrible defensively, too, allowing so many three-pointers uh, wide open on the other end. So back 
Backs against the wall, I think the Nets believe. Oh, man, I'm not, I'm not so sure with both of those guys if they don't play in Game 5. They're two stars in Kyrie. That's a lot for KD to do, though. I guess if anybody could, he could easily put up a 40 or 50 piece. Um, I think he's going to have to be officiated a little differently because I think Tucker wisely is uh, he's physical with them, and that's the way to do it. And KD, uh, you know, he does not... He does not go seeking really fouls, Lily. That you know, you can't say that about him. He doesn't try and flail. Um, you know, he's he's got the classic he's got, uh, yeah. the rip move, yeah. um, which I feel like you don't even see as much from him as, as we used to. But anyway, you know, he he's not gonna he's not really the whining type if we're being honest. Um, so it might just come down to how they're officiating it, and maybe like the 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 Nets coaching uh, you know team there trying to get in the uh, officials' ears right from the jump. Hey, like, look what he's doing. He's holding. He's grabbing. You can't do that. But we'll see. I will say good news for the Nets. You know, Jeff Green is back, so that helps a little bit. Uh, task maybe, you know, as another big uh, defensively trying to take charges on Giannis and stuff like that. But the bad news is Milwaukee shot, they, they shot a lot of threes. They only shot 16 of 47. That's like, what, 34%. They're better than that. They can be. Uh, you know, they were garbage in the first three games, 20 of 88 from three in those first three games. I still think they have a game in them where they hit a ton. They hit their 20 plus. Um, which, you know, again, is bad news maybe if you're the Nets. It could happen on the road. Well, it, just sort of, it just sucks this series suddenly if both of those guys are out. I don't know how you could be happy with that outcome. Even if, I guess you're a Bucks fan, you're like, well, them's the breaks, TK. It's like, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Uh, but uh, as, a, as a sort of a neutral fan here, even if we got a little money riding on it, I don't want to see this. Nobody wants to see this. Uh, of course not. Injuries suck for everybody that experiences them in all fan bases and you want to play against the best competition out there but also if you're the Bucks, you're like okay now we actually have the advantage in star power yeah. that's pretty crazy to think they just won a game ugly uh in milwaukee two teams scoring less than 90 points won that one they won a game sort of pretty here in game four making 16 three-pointers after making just 20 in the first three games uh like you said skeets mm-hmm. i think they can still hit a 20 spot too yeah. uh hadn't forward here and they have had some success against the buck uh against the nets defensively held them under 100 both of these past two games you don't expect that from the nets and i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know exactly how kevin durant is going to approach this because he's gonna have to dominate the game and he's gonna have to come out looking to score a whole bunch of points looking to almost put up a 40 spot Meanwhile, the Bucks, a great defensive team, are going to be ready for that because they know exactly what's coming. So they'll do their wall building. They'll let P.J. Tucker do his thing. They'll have Giannis being able to help a little bit more at the rim. They got big old Brooke Lopez out there, uh, giving him a little more than I thought he was going to be able to in this series. Jeff Green is going to be instrumental for the Nets because you assume he's going to get some open shots. And Joe Harris simply has to be better. Uh, he can't be shooting like 10% from three when you're one of the best three-point shooters in the game. Maybe it just comes down to who makes the most threes for the rest of this series. That seems to be the case in a lot of NBA games these days. Um, so, yeah, the Bucks uh, trending upwards. Uh, people were ready to have them buried after the yeah. 0-2 start. Some were still ready to bury them after they won Game 3. And now we're already hearing, oh, man, how are they going to be able to deal with Embiid in the next round? <laughs> wow, guys. Flippity-floppity-flop. Flipperters. We still got a long series here. Everybody thought this one was going to go long. Why would it not go seven at this point? Yeah, okay. Let's put a pin in that series for now because we got tomorrow's show where we can like really look ahead to that game five, which I believe, Tass, correct me if I'm wrong, is tomorrow night. Uh, that's a Tuesday night. It'll be just one game on. Yeah, Tuesday night there. Just that one. But we got some other series we got to break down here. But we also got to take a break to hear from our sponsors, Lily. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, let's get to the other series here. We will go to the Jazz Clippers series. We had Kawhi and Paul George helping the Clips beat Utah, cutting that deficit to 2-1. Game four tonight here on a Monday. Tass, this game happened on Saturday. we got to go back a little bit, but what was your big takeaway from game three and then this series as we go ahead? Well, like in round one, I think the Clippers took a couple games to find out their rotation, mm-hmm. to figure out how they're going to play the superstar on the other team and Luka in the first round. They've kind of figured that out with Donovan Mitchell a little bit. If I were to tell you the Clippers allowed 19 threes in game three, you'd think, oh, they lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they lost a game where they gave up 20 threes earlier in the series. But I think they figured it out. They're not going to let uh, anyone beat them at the rim. They're just not going to do that. They have they have found a way to be a little buzzsaw in the lane, uh, to have everybody sort of switching on the perimeter. And uh, as soon as people get into the lane, they stop them. They're doing a really good job of that. They've gone small. They figured out their, their rotation. Zubats is back to the bench. Uh, and just like uh, against Luka, I think they've figured out how they can do it. Now, um, they are doing a good job on Donovan Mitchell because – Donovan Mitchell, uh, as soon as he turns his back, as soon as he does his little spin, Kawhi Leonard is there, baby. He's there to swoop in for a double uh, to try and get him. So I I think there's no way to really guard Donovan Mitchell, uh, but they're forcing him to shoot threes. They're blitzing him when they can. And and now, kind of like the first round, everybody contributing at the offensive end too. It's it's one of those one of those situations where uh, you got nine guys who can all shoot. Uh, their bench now, it's, it's Zubats in those limited minutes. It's Beverly, it's uh, Mann, and it's Kennard. 
And Marcus Morris found his flow. Kawhi found his flow. Paul George found his flow. Everybody is flowing. Uh, and now we've got a series. Uh, so uh, play small. Figure out a way to blitz Donovan Mitchell when you can. And uh, the rotation is good. And Kawhi Leonard is back to his, uh, his full self. And so is Paul George. So I think uh, uh, they're, just, they're just playing at a Clipper level. It's not like you can really just point out one thing with this Clippers team. Just like in the Mavs series. We only really appreciated everybody until they got it done. And I think they're just doing it by committee. They're just a great team right now. It's something you don't really think about when you think Clippers basketball. And it's kind of boring to analyze. I just bored myself for a minute and a half. But at the same time, that's how you win games. Mm -hmm. They're doing it by committee. Everybody in the rotation knows their job. What do you think, uh, Lily, from this Saturday night dominant victory? And then I know we had the Mitchell sort of ankle injury scare there. It was dominant, and that's the most impressive part about it. They put up 132 points on the Utah Jazz, who are an outstanding defensive team. And Paul George and Kawhi, they're two stars, clearly with the best players. But Reggie Jackson has been giving them really good offense in the last couple of games here, you know, hitting those three, stepping in, and just giving them a little bit of a breather so it's not all on Kawhi and Paul to generate everything. Reggie comes down, and he calls his own number, and he takes that shot, and he knocks it in. So that's good. And, and again, I think, uh, as Tass is saying there, Ty Lue has kind of decided... These are the guys I'm rolling with, and that's basically it. And 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 he has made some changes there with Zubats. It's like you're going to get a handful of minutes, but if you're not contributing, you've got a pretty quick hook because they do need to go small. So this series is a, is alive. I mean, the, the Jazz started off this game actually quite well. I think they were out out eight zero, and it sort of looked like man, well, how are the Clippers going to respond? But after that point. Then the Jazz were in control of this, and it was Donovan Mitchell again sort of carrying the offensive load. You know, Joe Ingles hit some threes, and, and Clarkson came gave them some energy off the bench. But the Clippers had this game pretty much for the most for most of the three quarters in their command, and then they just pulled away in the fourth quarter. So uh, it's a huge game tonight here for the Clippers. If they can win this one, I think this series is absolutely still alive. And, and full credit to LA because, you know, going back to that last series, I was like, if this team's behind, they, they just don't fight back. And now they've done it two series in a row uh, and they get a chance tonight to tie it up. So uh, I'm really interested to see how the Jazz respond tonight because it's it's obviously not a must win. They're still in control. Even if they lose, they still have home court advantage and all that. But they got drilled in game three. They really did. I thought uh, one of the most impressive games from the Clippers we've seen this postseason. Yeah, you said... Uh... Tass, if you had if you had told somebody, oh, the Jazz hit 19 threes, that they still lose the game, uh, you'd be shocked. True, for sure. Clippers did hit 19 threes too, so that helped, and they shot a better percentage, 19 of 36, 52 percent uh, from three. Now, maybe that shouldn't be surprising, TK, because they were the best three point shooting team in NBA history. They do have a lot of guys. Paul George is one of these classic, like he just has games where he does not look all that important, like a superstar type player. He just disappears. You're like, okay. Like, even if he finishes with, like, his 20 and 8 and 5, you're like, ah, what impact did he have on the game? But then you get these Paul George games where, especially when he has that 3 going, I think it's such a game changer for him. He hits 4, 5, 6 in this one in Game four or game 3, excuse me, and it's just a huge momentum shift type of uh, shot maker and just opens up even more guys to knock down 3s like Kennard and Batum hit a couple. Um, so... What's your take on this series now? Like, do you even have a prediction for, for Game 4 here tonight? I know some of it depends a little bit on Mitchell's health, but what do you think? Tell me if this is true. They say hitting is contagious in, basket, in baseball. Is shooting contagious in basketball? 
Maybe, because that's kind of what it feels like for the Clippers. This was the first or just the fifth time since they've been together that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both went for 30 points uh, in a basketball game. Plus, their role players hit another 12 threes if you yeah. subtract the seven from Paul George and Kawhi there. So I like what Ty Lu said after the game. He said, I don't go to the steakhouse to order ketchup. <laughs> I go to order steak, which I mean bars, first off, but second off, you're exactly right. Your stars have to play like steak in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Your stars have to sizzle in the postseason, and they did, because once they're flowing, that opens things up for everybody else, because Kawhi is the guy who's going to get it done in the interior, for the most part, I feel like, for the Clippers. And then if Paul George is able to add his support uh, on the perimeter, that's huge. Then the three-pointers start dropping. The Jazz have to figure out a way to take away one of those three things. You can give up 30 to Paul George. You can give up 30 to Kawhi Leonard. But you can't have 12 threes for these other guys. Mm -hmm. You can give up 12 threes to these other guys, but you better limit Paul George. you got to take away something, and the Jazz have been great at taking away something for the past five seasons. So you would have to imagine that their defense is going to be a little bit better in game four, but the Clippers can really shoot the ball. And when the ball is really fizzing for them, that's when they get their best looks. That's why they've had so much success moving uh, Nick Batum to starting center, a weird concept, but it's been working for him, getting those shots up. I don't know. uh, Not having Mitchell at full strength would be terrible for the Jazz. I don't think that's going to be the case. He said he would have come back if the game was a little bit closer. No, Conley is obviously yeah. affecting uh, affecting Utah, just not being able to have him as a defender, as a ball mover on the other side. I don't know. Uh, maybe the, the Clippers have figured something out. You can't blow a lead if you don't have a lead. Playing from behind <laughs> with their backs against the wall has worked out for them so far in this postseason. You would have to think with the way Game 3 went that they are probably going to be the favorites in Game 4. But the Jazz have another level to get to. We've just seen them be one of the best teams in the postseason up until basically Game 3. So, I don't know. I expect that Game 4 shall be tight. Give me the clips, I suppose. I I, I don't think this is a hot take by any mean or hot prediction. But I think whoever wins tonight's Game 4 wins the series. I think that's uh, that's where I'll go with this one. Uh, If the Clippers tie it up 2-2, I like their chances to actually still win in 6 or 7. And if the Jazz go up 3-1, I don't see the Clippers coming back from that deficit. Because the Jazz are a damn good team. But tonight's game... Obviously, uh, pivotally, if you want to call mm. it that. Yeah, I don't know if Magic tweeted is. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is in a weird way, though, even though the Jazz can lose and still be favorite yeah. to win. Yeah. But, but it just felt like, you know, because they didn't um, like just smoke the Clippers in the first two games. The Clippers battled pretty well, and the Jazz outlasted them and won those games. But game three in LA, that was the most convincing victory, I think, of the series because the Clippers just uh, were dominant. And, and they're going to stay with their small ball because that's their they feel their best way of beating the Jazz. And a couple of times, you know, you see Rudy does get dragged out. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, he shouldn't come out when Patrick Beverly's on the three-point line. That's when he has to stay at home there and let him shoot. But that's clearly what the Jazz's uh, MO is in this series. And it's like, if they can win tonight, then yeah, this series is definitely alive uh, as long as Mike Conley... Uh, stays out. If he comes back, then uh, I think the Jazz will be fine. But no sign of him yet. Yeah, the same, you know, a bit like James Harden. No real idea of exactly when those guys will be back. Yeah, they they've done a good job. The Clippers have of making sure they've they're watching Donovan Mitchell, staying home at Boyan Bogdanovich, and deciding Joe Ingles, you want to beat us, go right ahead. Royce O'Neal, you want to beat us, go right mm-hmm. ahead. Rudy Gobert, you want to beat us, go right ahead. Uh, those are the guys that they're allowing to to try and and, and beat them. So. When Mike Conley went and whispered to Donovan Mitchell at the end of Game 3 there on the bench, when Mitchell decided, I'm, I'm chilling for the rest of the game, the injury could be playing a part. Also, I don't think we're coming back. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, 
those two dudes, they're scheming, they're planning. I, I'd like to see them both back for game four because I think the, the Clippers have kind of figured out who they're going to allow uh, to score. And Mike Conley reinserted into that lineup would be monstrous for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting up Gobert, making him more of a threat and scoring, obviously. And Donovan Mitchell... This was a quote-unquote bad game for him, as bad as it could get. Uh, dropping 30 points, he was only only 11 of 24, but it was worst game of the series because he is that great right now. And so uh, I, I think he'll be even a little bit more assertive or a little smarter. He took some Damian Lillard-type deep threes in this one uh, that, that clanked. Uh, and he can't turn his back on the Clippers right now. So he's got to make an adjustment, and uh, hopefully those two dudes were scheming for Game 4. Hopefully we see them both back uh, tonight. Final series we need to touch on here. We'll do it sort of briefly because it happened on Friday night, and Game 4 happens tonight. But Embiid and the 76ers, they took care of the Hawks. 127-111. So they are up 2-1 in their series lead. Danny Green is going to be out here for, what, two to three weeks, I believe they're saying. So that's a tough blow uh, for the Sixers. Or is it? Uh, because their bench was awesome in Game 3 for Ken Korkmaz. was fantastic. The uh, entire bench combined for 48 points on 17-28 shooting. Embiid still unstoppable, Lee. We were down there. A few of us were uh, at the Fortress there. And it was like one of those games... You know, where it just like any time the Hawks would like make one or two baskets in a row or get one or two stops, you're like, this is when it has to happen. This is when the momentum maybe shifts. And the Sixers always put an end to it. Every single time, a lot of it through Embiid, a lot of it through Simmons, especially in the second half, who I thought was fantastic, like playing with some, you know, some pace and some power and just like operating through him. And they just, they just had an answer every time. And it's like not looking good here for the Hawks, chances of, uh, you know, winning this series, maybe even keeping it close. I don't know. I just don't see how they stop these guys in bead. Mm. And then Simmons, when he plays like that, it's like, what, what's the answer here, man? Yeah, deflating loss there for the Hawks because it just felt it, it felt like they were just way too small. Uh, ben Simmons, you know, the six ten point guard who was posting up and then just feeding Embiid inside or just attacking Trey Young, whoever it was. He only took eleven shots in yeah. the game. Ben Simmons uh, finished with eighteen points and only seven assists. It actually felt like he had way more assists than that, but he just seemed to every time he had the ball on the offensive end, he did something. They scored. They got a good shot. Their three pointers were falling when uh, Furkan came off the bench. Seth Curry hit a couple. Tobias Harris was secretly very very good also in this game they just got contributions from everyone and even a couple of times you saw Tobias Harris kind of on Trey Young another bigger longer stronger guy uh, and that just made it a little bit a little bit more difficult for Trey Young to get into his flow you know his numbers were fine what he finished with 28 points and eight assists but it did not feel like he had much of an impact on this game at all but none of the Hawks really did I didn't think I didn't think anyone was sort of in that moment where it was like they, they can sort of do this I don't think it got Closer than eight to ten points either. Uh, and the Hawks, you know, Gallinari had a wide open three that he clanked. They sort of had chances, but it was like, even when they did, it felt like the Sixers then would rattle off three or four straight baskets in a row and, uh, and and they had this game. So, yeah, this is a massive game for the Hawks tonight because they're staring at a douchey. We didn't think that was probably going to be the way it was going to be <laughs> yeah, after game are. one. The Hawks were looking great. I, I really think they figured it out. But then I think Doc Rivers has also realized, like, okay, uh, yeah, Danny Green, no no one's happy that a guy's injured, but uh, they've got the personnel that can replace him. You know, Tybal fouled out of this game. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if he starts him. I guess he probably does in uh, in tonight's game. But clearly, if you can get in Trey Young's face and, uh, and, and just make life difficult for him, it makes life difficult for the entire Hawks offense. And uh, I think what they finished with, 110 or something like that. But... 
this game was not close. The Sixers won this in a romp, even though the margin was only 16 at the end. It was uh, never even really that close. Yeah, Tass, like I said, some of us were down there. We were hanging out with some Hawks bros, and even they were like sort of saying, hey, at least we beat the Knicks. You know, they were still riding that wave of like, ah, oh, you know, we had Trey Young quieting the MSG crowd. I mean, I don't want to say they've given up on their Hawks. I would never say that about the Hawks bros. But it does, even I could feel from them, it's like, I don't think we can slow, especially Embiid, let alone some of these other guys. Embiid just goes to the line time and time again. And they're like, I mean, they're fouls because he's a monster. It's like, what are you going to do? He went to the line 16 times in game three. He's been to the, to the line like 25% of his offensive possessions in this playoffs. Like, that's a crazy amount but it makes sense when you're a guy and everybody's like just go inside man go inside they can't stop you doesn't look good for the Hawks but he had a quiet 27 in this one I mean that that was that was quiet for him yeah they definitely can't stop him they decided to double I just want to you know have a watch a team that obviously had a new game plan hey we're going to double and beat get it out of his hands but then at the other end, I, I don't know if the lights are a little too bright for this young Hawks team, but they just didn't know who they were on the other end, really. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think that those guys stepped up offensively enough. Uh, and Ben Simmons, yeah, put his foot down in one quarter, had you know that 11-point third quarter, and that was that. I mean, the, the Hawks had no life in them. Uh, I thought the most entertaining part of the game for me was I was at the bar getting a drink, and there was a man with a sort of a small suitcase, I'd call it. I don't know, it was a large handbag uh, full of cash that he was paying for drinks <laughs> oh. with. And everybody around it, us was really enjoying that. That's Atlanta, baby. Oh. <laughs> uh, so so that was happening. Uh, you know, the crowd cheered uh, a little bit, and, and, and the Sixers were a little pissed off that this happened, that they cheered when Embiid um, went down with an injury. He was limping. It, you know, I was trying to shush the crowd. Flashbacks to the Raptors fans cheering when Kevin Durant went down uh, in Game 5 of the 2019 Finals. Fans do that. It's unfortunate, but fans do do that. And uh, that's really that's the only way the series is, is turning, it feels like. Because just the Hawks, uh, yeah, they, they just they showed absolutely no life. And uh, it, it is unfortunate um, what happened. I think I think it really is... Even for the Hawks bros, uh, the lights are a little too bright. I mean, I think that's just part of it. They just, they just weren't in a flow. And, and yeah, the, the Hawks bros uh, took me back again to the Raptors, 2001. They're, they're extremely excited that they won in Madison Square Garden in round one, just like the Raptors did in 2001 in game five when Alvin Williams hit that shot. I was, I was jiving with the Hawks bros on that one. Yeah, man, that's it. You're going to win round one, and that's about it. Been there, done that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought, yeah, we saw game one, what happened. Um, they just couldn't recoup or regroup, I guess, from, from the Sixers giving it to them in game two. They, they, just, they just weren't able to, and it's just it's unlikely, right, that they do that in game four here. The Sixers have every ounce of momentum right now. Embiid, 39-9 uh, and nine in game one, Trey. Followed that up with 40 and 13 in game two. And then, yeah, a quiet uh, 27 9, eight assists. Uh, yeah, talk Embiid. to me about those eight assists. Yeah. And three blocks in game three. And uh, I think if Ben Simmons is on Trey Young in game one of this series, I, I'm, I'm not, this might be a sweep. If I'm being completely honest, but we're here, and the Hawks, you know, they could they could hit a million threes tonight, and who knows what Trey does? It could be two two, it could be a best of three. I just think it's unlikely with uh, the way Embiid's operating Trey. 
Well, the Hawks don't have anybody to guard the Sixers' three best players, and that's going to be a problem because Embiid can score every single time he gets the ball, or they double him and then they get a good shot from Tobias Harris. Like you said, Trey Young doesn't really stand a chance against Ben Simmons when he's engaged and aggressive trying to score inside. The Sixers are a really good basketball team, and they got taken off guard, I think, in round one. They had a pretty easy first-round series against the Wizards, whereas the Hawks came in playing hype off that Knicks series, came out, hit a ton of threes in game one, got the win. That's the recipe for the Hawks getting another win in this series, is hitting... 18 to 23 so that you can kind of outmath the Philadelphia 76ers. But this series is over. It's just a matter of if it'll be five or six games, depending on how hot the Hawks are shooting. We've got Tweet of the Night still. We'll look ahead to tonight's games, but one more break to hear from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, this tweet of the night actually comes from a couple days ago, and I saw it, and I loved it, and I thought this would be a great question for the guys here of No Dunks and for everybody in the stream team and everybody watching a little bit later and listening later. I guess you sort of got to see the photo. So come watch us on YouTube. At Jeff Eisenband. Who's the first player you think of? And then he attached the NBA on NBC logo. Let's call it from the 90s. It's a great question. Like, who is the first player, TK, that comes to mind when you see this old NBA on NBC logo? And by the way, you're allowed to say John Tesh if you want. Oh, basketball! Come on, Skeets, of course. When you see this image, you instantly hear the music with it right yeah that's the crazy thing to me the the tweet does say who's the first player you think of because john tesh high on my list not a player marv albert high on my list not a player ahmad rashad very high on my list also not a basketball player 
So first player I think of, gotta be MJ. Michael Jordan, of course. I believe NBA and NBC took over for the 91 finals, which was the first time the Bulls were in the finals, their first finals win. NBA on NBC did all of their finals appearances, but also MJ for Magic Johnson, who appeared in the first finals in 1991 and then was on the call for the finals in 1992. And I will never forget him. Anytime Michael Jordan would start having a great game in the finals, it's Michael's game. It's Michael's game. Oh, it's Michael's game. Who would have guessed that 30 years later, we would be reading his tweets wow. pretty much the same. It's Michael's game. It's Steph's game. So yeah. MJ for me, player one. Yeah, okay. Uh, MJ's a great answer. I'm sure a lot of people, I see people in the stream team saying him. There are a couple other names popping up, but Lily, where do you go? It was just, it was like, for me, I was like, man, Everyone just pops into my head. Okay. But the first player really is Patrick Ewing for some reason. Yeah. I think that's probably tied with the Marv being in New York as well and, and Ahmad Rashad being the sideline reporter. I just and that was the, the name that sort of popped out before even a Michael or a Magic or even a Charles Barkley for me. So uh Patrick Ewing, big sweaty Patrick Ewing in Madison <laughs> Square Garden there. I think uh that just is where I my my mind first went to. So that's it for me. Okay. Tass, uh, any other players to add to this list for that NBA on NBC logo? Yeah, I kind of think Magic and Michael at the exact same time. I just think, yeah, premium 90s basketball. And I, I kind of go like 88, 89 basketball. Like I, that, I think Showtime Lakers, I think MJ, that's what I think of. Then I think of Matt Geiger. Wow. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. But he pops in there. He's, he's scheming. <laughs> Yeah, every every team back then needed a, a very large white man playing the five, and uh, so yeah, I don't know why he just pops in. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he's on the team too. Uh, but yeah, uh, those and you know Hannah Storm. You know, I think of the whole crew mm-hmm. as well. Every Saturday morning, just hanging, and then and then I automatically think. Ba, 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 basketball, yeah, ba, ba, ba. yeah, you know, you can't, you can't, you, you, can't. It's, it's... you can't. I played it the other day on the on the couch. Danielle doesn't usually smile at anything that comes through my phone, you know, that just happens to blurt out of my phone. But then she, she's like, what's that? And she giggled and we watched oh, it. Wow. Good, good couple minutes on the couch. Uh, a lot of people in the stream team saying uh, a Reggie Miller. For mm-hmm. sure, in the mix because of those yeah, iconic battles in MSG. Uh, you're, you're right, Lee. It, it's uh, you know, of course, Jordan Magic. I get that, but yeah, I think I immediately go to MSG, the Madison Square Garden, with the Marv angle there, and then the players. So either be it the Bulls versus the Knicks or the Pacers versus the Knicks, like those series. Uh, that's where I go. But everybody, all those iconic Knicks losses in yeah. the garden that Marv's on the call <laughs> yeah. for. Ouch! Mm-hmm. Ouch! Uh, on a beautiful sixty-six degree <laughs> evening. <laughs> uh, people are throwing out the stream team. Uh, what do we got? Carl Malone. Yeah, that makes some sense there. Playing in some uh, some finals. There's a Lafonso Ellis. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, Scott <laughs> Skiles. Uh, I see a Penny. Uh, you know, Spike. Okay, not a player. Detlef Schrempf. Uh, people are saying that. Not a lot of Western Conference teams. Mm. Yeah, we said Magic and the Lakers, Barkley and the Suns, but... Hakeem? Yeah. 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 How could you not? For sure. For sure. Detlef Schrempf tweeted yesterday when Jokic got uh, tossed, did not like the call. Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Flagrant one. NBA. Let's get him on to argue with Leo yeah. for 10 minutes. Uh, but hey, Tassie, you know, you're talking about uh, Matt Geiger and then you were talking about the uh, Raptors' first victory against the New York Knicks. And then that second round in 2001, they played the Philadelphia 76ers. We got the throwback Allen Iverson in the uh, Hawks Pro section on Friday night there. Uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
uh, yeah, we had a. Yeah. There were some Sixers fans. There actually were not a lot, I would say, uh, in the arena. Yeah. But you saw some, of course, some B jerseys and some Iverson jerseys. We had one in particular standing in front of us, uh, oh. who was, uh, you know, look, he was he was quite vocal, but he didn't cross any lines. I would no, say. He didn't. No, no. But I think he was Very wearing a kid's jersey, though. I think it was a kid's jersey. It was. Yeah, was the guy a, wasn't very big. I mean, why yeah, is that surprising? I know, but, but, but he was, you know, like you'd rather have an oversized adult's jersey, wouldn't you, than a kid's jersey because <laughs> you're that small? <laughs> I don't think so. I'd rather you be able to wear your actual jersey. I don't know. I that, was a, that, was a, that was a bootleg, not bootleg, but a throwback. He got that at a vintage store. It was quite faded. Or maybe you had it yeah. forever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it was a crappy jersey for sure. It was a replica. Yeah, it was, yeah you know, that's what I meant. Something, yeah, total bootleg, but... Uh, Kudos to him. Uh, you know, we're in the standing room section. And he was he was boxing out. Uh, yeah, he, he was, did hold his ground. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't think he left. What a conundrum. I mean, is it, the conundrum on Friday was how old is this? Yeah, guy? yeah that was the weird uh, part. He was drinking alcohol. Like it's is is the nose part of the face? Is this kid old enough know, to drink alcohol? Yeah, are you twenty one? He was Not right sure. on the border. Right on the yeah, border. I, I think he was just 21. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah, living yeah. his good life. Hey, Sixers were dominant there. Uh, you got the victory. Well, are you going is back? This for true? G- is this true that uh, a kid's jersey makes you look <laughs> jacked? Did this guy look jacked in no. the game? No, he looked Not like jacked, a kid. Yeah. He looked like a kid. A hence, he was wearing kid. a kid's jersey. I don't understand yeah, yeah. this take from Ellis, I gotta yeah. say. Are you oh, going down just, tonight, Lily, for game four? I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so. Wow, nah. he's already given up on his heart. No, nah, I'll yeah. save it for uh, game six oh, when okay. they come back. Okay, okay. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Pivotal games there tonight. Sixers at Hawks, uh, game four, seven thirty. They're saying uh, start on TNT. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll see. Jazz Clippers uh, at ten is the second game tonight. So uh, we'll have uh, two games four to talk about on tomorrow's show. Let's start wrapping this up now. Shout out to everybody joining us here in the stream team. Thank you so much. Smash that like button if you haven't already and make sure you've subscribed to No Dunks on YouTube. Send in your questions for this Beach Steppin' podcast this week. NoDunksAtTheAthletic.com or you can tweet them in at NoDunksInc. That's I-N-C. And uh, finally, go grab your uh, No Dunks merch over at NoDunks.com. And oh yeah, get yourself an athletic subscription. Go to TheAthletic.com slash NoDunks if you haven't done that already. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, sometimes even people who are extremely meticulous about their teeth, like JD, get teeth problems. It's true. Genetics. (laughs) Genetics. It's crazy. You can brush, you can floss, and it doesn't matter sometimes. Feel better, JD. Are you there still? (laughs) Yeah, I'm here. Embrace the day, people. (laughs) You could stay.